0: I was a big stage dancer. I was dancing in a big stage like uh, for thousand thousand people in, back in Turkey. So everything was big. My attitude was big. The makeup was big. The, 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 it has to be very flamboyant. So when I dance in these small places like Showcase, I think it was so much energy. <laughs> because I get used to dancing in big stages and my makeup was big. My attitude was big. My movement was big. And then it was... Uh, Good, but I think that because I was doing more Turkish styling Romani dance, people weren't so uh, educated about it and I was kind of an um, ugly duck for a while. Everybody was talking about me because I dressed differently, I talked different I uh, interpreted the music differently, so people were saying, "Oh my God, who is this guy from Turkey?"
1: Welcome to Bella Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including Bella Dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories secrets and tips with you Hello guys, you're listening to Belly Dance Live podcast and I'm very excited about today's episode. It's uh, one that I was waiting for a long time to finally record and release and um, my excitement is also because uh, I think this is the first episode that uh, we are featuring here on podcast Male Belly Dancer. So please welcome Mr. Osgan, who is originally from Turkey, but he travels uh, to perform and teach all around the world. And just some highlights of his uh, dance journey was that he was a cast of Night of the Sultans Combining contemporary dance, ballet, and oriental dance back in Istanbul Also, he taught for several years at the uh, Tolgahan Dance School in Istanbul And now he's based in London, UK But uh, he teaches and performs internationally in oriental and Romani dance Uh, style so uh, hello osgan so nice to hear you
0: (laughs) hey hello from london thank you thanks for this beautiful introduction
1: Um, uh, so to start our conversation please uh, um, tell us our listeners how did your dance journey become how did you become involved into dance world (laughs)
0: Well, when I grew up, uh it was a tradition that the family used to send us uh, to folk dancing to learn folk dancing as part of the uh either school adventures or after school adventures. And believe or not, I didn't want to go to dancing first because I was extremely extremely shy. Mm. And then uh and then I and then I I kind of pushed into this kind of folk dancing. And then I—that's how it how did it started. But prior to that, I have like uh, memories that I, i uh, I was much younger than uh, than 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 experienced. That I was dancing in front of the television to my family, so I was I was just kind of seeking attention. I just drove them net nuts basically. So because if I don't get clapped, I was feeling so upset. So that's kind of my early uh, remembering. Let's say.
1: I see. And what uh, place does dance? Uh, ha- what role does dance play in everyday life in uh, Turkish community today?
0: Today and before, I think it's the same. It's uh, it's uh, it's part of uh, every minute because it's a celebration dance, and it's the people how uh, they react to each other. So mainly, you see that in the celebrations, uh, weddings, and on the street sometimes actually not too much now but uh before it was more like a uh, part of the street culture too
1: mm-hmm. and uh, is it more about uh, um folklore turkish dancing or uh, ballet dance how is those relationships in everyday life of turkish people <laughs> how, how how can you describe that <laughs>
0: Um, the, the folk dancing, uh, sometimes uh, when we have the celebrations, like let's say national uh, holidays or something like that, people still go and then see uh, some folk dancing um, as kind of a ceremony. But on the street, uh, you will see gypsy style mm. uh, or, or kind of a belly dance style, let's say more on the street. But the folk dancing is more for the national national holidays or uh, festivals, let's say.
1: One of my experiences when I was in Istanbul, I was really impressed uh, how much attention and pride they give to folk dances, because all the venues that I uh, attended uh, seeing dance show, they always started with a really long and big and nice professional folklore performance of a troupe, and then they had the ballet dance show, sometimes a few ballet dance, dances at the night. But uh, I was really impressed to see how... These venues, they care about representing the Turkish folklore dances, although it may be not, uh, you know, like, uh, let's say, a t- touristic sale point <laughs> compared to belly dance, but it's still on a very important uh, place in those pl- in those yeah. uh, programs. Although I realize that I also probably attended only uh, touristic places. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting to, to see what uh, place dance uh, play, um, has in the uh, everyday life of Turkish people in both folk and, and ballet dance, belly dance. So you also mentioned that you joined a dance group, a dance company, folk dance company, at some point in your dance journey, then you were back in Istanbul. Can you tell us a little bit more about that page of your life?
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, that's the point that I kind of started uh, looking to the dance as kind of a profession because uh when I was on uh I was I was studying in Cyprus. Um I actually studied communication skills and then I went to audition in Istanbul to this uh b- very very big company uh called Fire of Anatolia, and then mm-hmm. later on they become sultans of the dance. And um they yeah that the, the the long auditions uh gone through that then I accept me. Uh, They accept me into the company and I start working with them. And I really, really had a uh, great time and I learned so much things, uh, so much techniques and drama. Because they were combining, uh, incorporating uh, Turkish folk dancing into a story, uh, into a kind of uh, trendy story, let's say, love story um mm-hmm. and then then uh, fusing with modern and ballet technique so it was kind of very uh clean and very uh big uh, character in the dance uh, you will see
1: i see i noticed also that in turkish uh, dance scene uh, the presence of such companies as uh, fire of anatolia for instance uh, uh they are very popular like there are many of those uh, uh companies that uh sort of present dance in a more i don't know how to say maybe a theatrical way like why do you think for turkey it's uh, common uh, like why mm-hmm. what do you think was uh, behind it why it became so popular those kind of shows in turkey
0: i think it's it's become trendy the first company uh, that i kind of actually started they were really popular so it was the first uh, uh, let's say flower let's say in the market because they were the first one and then, uh, then after they realize that they can be uh, the similar or many different uh, companies like, like that and then they open different companies and as you were mentioning before Turkish folk dance is very rich and obviously, Turkey is a huge country. So, from the east to west, and north to north to south, we have so much different dance styles influencing from from the Arab, or the Greece, or the uh, Russian and Balkans as well. So mm. th- there was there were a lot of um, market, let's say, to be expressed uh, through Turkish folk dancing, uh, fusing with in uh, fusing with fusion and modern dance into a story. That's why I think. Uh, they had like at least four or five uh, different company after that. And I think they, they kind of use um, or focus to use so much, uh, of course, love stories, but using more mythology, uh, mythologic and then story and history from Turkish and Anatolia, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, about those years in the company, uh, how do they usually... Um select dancers for their uh, plays or for their concerts and uh, how does the training goes is it always about uh, putting up choreography or does the training component includes in in those uh, times too
0: uh, actually that's that's um that's kind of a hardcore to be able to go into these companies i remember when i first go into the audition um they asked us to prepare a routine for two minutes and then I was brave enough to prepare to a modern dance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't any training, I was kind of watching from uh, television that time and some DVDs, but we didn't have even so much DVDs that time. Um, and then once they see you in the first day, they kind of uh, test how much uh, you hear the music uh, and then all this knowledge. And then, then they teach you kind of routines from folk dancing as well as ballet and modern. So they were expecting to see how quickly you learn. And then after uh, you you kind of uh, pass the first section of the audition, I remember we, we were going into a three months uh, uh, other audition. 3 months we were camping let's say to be able to see how how much how strong uh, we could be because obviously it was a very uh-huh. hardcore training so they wanted to see the personality as well as how how we are collaborating with different dancers and the choreographer so it's not just the dancing or how much talent you had It was the communication between the dancers. Because once you go to tour, you're basically years and years, months and months. You're on the go or you are a different part of the world together. So you need to really eat, breathe and dance with these people uh, together. So it was important for them to see as well. And then I passed that uh, audition as well. And then I was in the company.
1: And uh, after you past uh, the audition, what's uh, happens next? Uh, uh, so, I, as I understood, they sort of uh, uh, set up their auditions in order to make sure that people can survive uh, the dance life after audition. Yeah. But what's that dance life looks like after, once you're already in? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, the, the adventure started like once you're in. I remember, I think the process, how it goes, we had the deadline for the show. Let's say the show was in six months or a year. Mainly, I think the first time it was like an year because we need to practice and we, meet, we need to make the whole show like two hours show. But it has to be very professional, slick. So... I remember we were we had uh, we were starting from ten o'clock in the morning till six o'clock. It's very difficult because you kind of using your your body and your physical non-stop dancing. Obviously, you learn some uh, drama techniques, and we had breaks as well. Uh, so I remember we were learning uh, styling of dance. Let's say gypsy romani or the Black Sea dance as kind of a tradition uh, aspect, and then we were learning modern dance, and then after after months and months later we were we start to learn the choreography and the show let's say and then that what was the story of the show and the details and it was kind of a progress let's say uh, but it was uh, hardcore it was 6 days sometimes 7 days mm. actually so basically we were booked for 5 days but we were working 6 6 days 7 days uh it was it was kind of fun uh, it was, it was hard to
1: Well, I can only imagine fun, but uh, really hardcore. It's basically having a full-time job uh, in dance. How did you uh, and other dancers? How did you manage to balance this physical uh, pressure, like dancing from early morning till like evening, and uh, having not that many days off? Was there any special, uh, I don't know, classes or time breaks for, I don't know, stretching or yoga or healthcare, like maintaining your body to be able to uh, sustain such a demanding schedule?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean... I remember we had a drama teacher. Uh, he was a really famous uh, actor from Turkey. He was telling us, like, you, your job is like a miner. It's almost like you're, you're working in a mining company. It was hard. Especially, I remember the first month, I think it first or two months, first two months or first one month, I was sore every day because mm-hmm. it was really shock to the system, shock to the body. It's almost like you're going to gym, but you did it every day. So it was like two months I had I felt that my body changing and then it was uh, I was more fit and everything. But obviously we had stretch time, we had yoga even though this is I'm talking about it's maybe like 12 years ago. Uh, even that that in Turkey it wasn't that popular maybe perhaps in the world it wasn't that popular all this yoga meditation stuff. Mm-hmm. We were learning all these things to balance. Um, it was fair enough. Let's say we had the balance of um, uh, moving and spending energy as well as collecting them back. But uh, it was uh, kind of hardcore physically as well as mentally because basically you're with this fifty people. Let's say I don't remember. I think fifty sixty people every day. It's like a family. Uh, it's competitive too, so you need to be really uh, look physically and then uh, mentally fit to be able to maintain there.
1: Well, I can only imagine it's uh, quite intense and uh, although we see a lot of hard-working ballet dancers, but sometimes I'm looking at the company dances in different fields uh, like for instance in uh, example of for your company in Turkey or some ballet companies and uh, uh, then like realizing oh we don't really sometimes even get to the really hardcore dance life (laughs) that we are dancing all day long
0: Yeah, and
1: not just for a few festival days but as a lifestyle basically as a work so that's really interesting to hear the insight and also you briefly mentioned uh, but I'd like to ask a little bit more like how important was dancers experience in other styles rather than just turkish folk dancing
0: actually uh, we learned like modern ballet and all these things and among of the dancers we kind of for example that time i was doing a lot of latin dance we had like a free session that i was teaching them some latin dance kind of like to, (laughs) to have general understanding from a different type of uh dance and dance forms we had kind of a kind of collaborative uh work workshops let's say uh but mainly we were focusing to the turkish folk dance because as i mentioned before turkish regions are so uh, so much and then once you learn the 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 style you need to put the character on top of it as well and uh, it is really, I have to say, the Turkish folk dancing is kind of difficult, very, very hard, challenging, let's say, nothing is difficult, but it is very, very challenging because you have so much steps and the rhythms uh, they use, it's kind of um, uh, interesting, not even, let's say, and that was really, really challenging.
1: Mm, I see. But following also your solo dance career that you uh, started probably those years, but then uh, keep doing until now, uh, the one can always uh, notice that you incorporate a lot of different dance styles into your um, performances, so either it's uh, yeah. a Turkish folk or ballet dance. So what is your artistic interest in combining uh different dance styles and uh let's say fusing <laughs> elements of different uh styles into turkish dance
0: um i think this is this kind of comes naturally because uh when i'm doing routines or dancing most of the time when i'm dancing i improvise but when i'm doing routine I don't sit with a set agenda and say, okay, I'm gonna do this, do this, do this. It comes naturally from universe or the inspiration. But I think that I noticed as well, I didn't realize, to be honest, I was just uh, noticed when I was watching my dance as well. I mean, on video mm. later on, so that was, I kind of incorporate different styles. But I've been lucky, really, really fortunate to be able to perform and then learned all kind of uh, dance back in Turkey, as well as when I moved in London, because I was curious, let's say. And back, ta- back then, we didn't have YouTube or so. I didn't even have so much um, opportunity to, to look for the DVDs as well. But once I had, I was really embracing them and I was really looking at them. And then I was focusing more to Latin dance and all this thing. And I was choreographing some Romanian oriental dance. And then I did kind of a jazz. I remember in university, we did the musical of cats. So that kind of was a learning curve for me because I was watching the DVD all the time. Mm. so i think it kind of like um i manifest and i just um build up all this thing but i had uh, i was kind of uh, jack off all the trades when i was in turkey so when i moved to london i just realized and then uh, i was kind of entrepreneur to say to myself i need to just focus to one otherwise i will be you know like Uh, moving all around so I just then focus to Middle Eastern dancing and then I use my different uh, modern dance styling and stuff like that I mean I I know tango, I perform tango, I teach tango uh, but I see so much flamenco influence in my dancing I mean this comes naturally but I don't I have never learned flamenco (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have never learned flamenco I mean I Just one one time I remember I took a private class in two hours, but of course in two hours you can't learn something. I think by watching, I kind of influence. I watch a lot of flamenco. I, I like f- watching flamenco, but naturally I think uh, it's there somewhere in me.
1: I see. And I actually wanted to ask you about this uh, transition from Turkey to UK and uh, how did you find yourself as a dancer in a new country? And uh, actually, was it um, your intention to keep doing dance professionally when you moved to UK or is it just something that happened naturally?
0: <laughs> Tell you the truth, I said, OK, I'm leaving Turkey and then I had enough. Um, I just left Turkey because I didn't the company I worked uh the 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 Knight of the sultans um or the sultans of the dance i actually i actually uh didn't wanna work with them, so I just like say okay guys i I can't do it I don't wanna do it let's say I'm not enjoying because i it come to a point that it wasn't me anymore. Uh, I think uh, I was... I had a vision then. Since then I had a vision. So probably it was like a de- my destiny or whatever you want to call. It. it just brings me to UK. And then I moved to London. I, ca- I came to Europe just like uh, adventurous. I didn't have any set plan. And then I decided not to dance because I said, okay, this is like a hard, uh, core world for me. And it's not fair. I was thinking like that that time. And then when I moved to UK... I was. I said, okay. I like kind of London, and then I'm. I settled here, and then I start performing in a few places, like a showcases, and then word of mouth. I people start talking about me. I said, wow, that's cool. <laughs> so mm-hmm. then I can start build up my career, but it uh, it didn't happen in one day. I really, really, really worked for it. I have to um. Uh, praise myself i worked for it i waited long obviously when you're dancer or performer it's like it's not gonna happen in one day because even though you have diplomas or certificate in mm. the best best uh, school dance school or performance school you really need to be out there physically so people see you and people sense you it took long time but uh yes basically then i'm here I see. But it it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: didn't even realize or I didn't even know that I had talent anyway. (laughs) Seriously. And what was
1: the most striking difference in being a dancer in Turkey and UK? Because you probably have very different audiences.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, um, yeah, it was different audience. The first, I'll tell you something funny. First, I moved to London... I've been invited to dance in this very beautiful showcase for the belly dancers. And the first day, it was raining so much in London. And then, obviously, in Turkey, we have rain, but not not like London. I was so upset. I was thinking, oh, my God, nobody will come to see because it's raining. But, obviously, Aww. in London, you know, people go out despite the rain. So, I didn't know that. So, I went to dance, and it was the wow. It was like everybody was talking. About me, that time I think we had social media, but only maybe mailing or Facebook I remember. Uh, but uh, I think the difference between I kind of experience, I was I was a big stage dancer. I was dancing in a big stage like uh, for a thousand thousand people back in Turkey. So everything was big. My attitude was big. The makeup was big. uh, It has to be very flamboyant. So when I dance in these small places like Showcase, I think it was so much energy. (laughs) Because Mm. I get used to dancing in big stages and my makeup was big. My attitude was big. My moment was big. And then it was... uh, uh, good, but I think the Turkey, because I was doing more Turkish styling Romani dance, people weren't so uh, educated about it. And it was, I was kind of um, a ugly duck for a while. Everybody was talking about me because I dressed differently, I talked differently, I uh, interpreted the music differently. So people were saying, oh my god, who is this guy from Turkey? Uh, I was dancing like, <laughs> not topless, but I was wearing little, let's say. So it was, well, it was like, um, uh, yeah promotion but you know talking they're talking about me bad or good uh, so at that time it was that kind of uh experience i had
1: uh, it's so interesting and funny to hear uh, also one just one observation that i think uh, uh you carried not only this big uh movement approach from the big stage to whichever performances you're doing but also this theatrical aspect of it and then watching yeah. your performances it's not that you see only dancer you kind of see a persona and character on mm-hmm. stage and uh it doesn't yeah. matter is it a group performance is it will talk in just a bit <laughs> about this aspect of your work but even then you dance just solo you see a story in your dance um uh, very yeah. clear yeah yeah and this is something that depressed me especially in turkish uh, romani dances that uh, i'm a big fan of for uh, this style and then i was uh, researching. actually you. my first uh, introduction to your work was through a workshop that i took uh, um, years and years ago in istanbul it was a festival called uh, turkish delight festival and you were teaching oh, a wow. very very nice drum solo Uh, with turkish Romani elements. So it was sort of a fusion. But then at that point, when I took this workshop, I didn't even realize it. It's only later I recognized, oh, that part was Turkish-Roma. Roma (laughs) Roma (laughs) beats.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that workshop. It's on YouTube, actually. I had so much likes and hits on that uh, link. You see, because... But I don't really sit and say, okay, I'm going to do it fusion. It comes Mm -hmm. naturally. Um, It's not like uh, I don't enjoy doing something traditional it just comes natural and then theatrical aspect of mine i think it's me from my childhood and everything and then i think when i uh, how 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 can i express that? when i went to the the company i kind of put a uh, embodiment to my understanding because in my childhood i was really theatrical i know that because i used to listen to opera and everything um and in mm-hmm. turkey this kind of things is very very niche. So, like this theatrical aspect, find um embodiment in the company that I work. And then I I know I think, a uh, best way to express my uh stylization is like I kind of to poetry personification into a dance. I create a story, even though the the, the performance is like five six minutes, because the music talks to you. I believe to that, uh, and then when I do routines. Again, I don't sit like a set agenda and say, okay, four basic there, four basic there. I basically listen every element of the music separately. And then uh, every instrument tells different stories. Like, Ney has different sensuality and the drums has the, 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 the fear or something. Uh, other maybe get the energy from fire. So this is how I... Um, interpretate it and then I really influence from nature and when I go to concerts like let's say classic uh, music concert I look to the conductor's face how they use their hands and everything so this kind of things inspires me naturally
1: and another thing that you also go for such a variety of different stories and very often very dramatic uh, stories in your dance and one thing that uh, got surprised me at some point Uh, I have in Toronto a couple of Turkish students, I mean, people from Turkey who come from time to time to my workshops, and they told that one of the discoveries Mm -hmm. for them when they start doing ballet dance outside... I mean in Canada here is what that dancer can perform to sad songs for them, it was like how like the dance should be only to happy songs, but then suddenly you see the whole range of sad songs <laughs> and uh, I was just uh, um, curious uh, like how people's mentality influenced the uh, dance and their um, some impressions or ideas about how the dance should be, and then seeing you also going into very dramatic stories sometimes. <laughs>
0: Yes, Turkish has this perception about belly dancing that it has to be fun and fast and everything, and then I'm kind of opposite, naturally. I mean, I like the dramatic aspect of it. Um, Yes, they see it like that. I think the Arabs and the Turks uh, see the belly dance uh, differently, for sure. For Turkish, always the belly dancing has been more for the stage and cabaret, because Turkey, Istanbul especially, is the passing point from east to west. So always had uh, we had always European, Western people traveling. So it has to be very showy and uh, cabaret style, let's say. So that's how I how did um, progress probably. But I rem I know I know. Sometimes when I dance to lyrical dance, Turkish uh, classic music and everything, even though they like. They just want to be like more fast, more fast, more fast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, uh, but I believe the anthrop- the, the geographic uh, elements affects the culture. It is for sure. Um, because Turkish uh, Turkey and the Turkish people are very fast. They want to be straight to the point and you can see that in their dance as well. And then Egyptian, you see, they're more slow, the, uh, the life there is more slower. They talk slower if they want to meet like three, it means six or seven. But in Turkey, if they want to meet, it's two, it's, a bit, you know, two, it's, uh, two, let's say three. Still late, but it's a bit faster. So this kind of affects too. I think uh, this has um, so much uh, effect onto the dance.
1: Mm, I see. Uh, that's really interesting to hear uh, for people who may be not familiar with Turkish style and that uh, how geography and local culture influence. Even we call everything Baladans, but Baladans is different. Baladans in Egypt is different from Baladans in uh, uh, yeah. Turkey or Baladans in Lebanon or any other uh, countries yeah. like that. So, coming back to your activities, uh, starting from uh, uh, Performing solo at uh, different showcases in UK. Now you have the whole dance productions all around the world. <laughs> uh, so how was that uh, um, development? Like it's quite uh, quite a jump uh, to go to such a uh, different scene, a dance scene, and uh, putting up all those uh, productions again. Did it happen something just naturally? Some people start asking you, or was it something that comes from you? Like you decided that you want to put together some uh, dense I would say spectacles because they have the whole plot and story and topics in each uh, in each of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the the artists. I mean, everybody, human being, we always evolve, and we are never satisfied from where we are. We always want to go one step more, more more, more, till we die. I think this is how it goes. This is how I believe. Um. So I was like dancing around then I was getting booked to the festivals all around the world. I was doing much solo. And then I start to have this need to be, to say that I am more than this, I mean, not to, don't, uh, not to offence to anyone, I mean, I like going to festivals to teach, but I said, okay, I need to do in a story, in the story, in the story, and something was buzzing in my mind, I said, I need to do a story, I need to do a story, I need to, I need to perform this beautiful art form into mainstream people, and the only way I think, to be able to open up to the mainstream people, to put this, this beautiful dance styles into a story, so for them to, to observe or digest the story or the, the type of the dance or the story of the dance, it was in the story. So it was clearly out there. But I think partially it's happened naturally. Naturally. And I started doing like a project, like a community project, where I was training the dancers uh, and then putting them in the story. And then I kind of... um. Uh, Uh, build up this uh, into a different level let's say and then i so far i think i had like gosh three three four productions Mm -hmm. that i traveled and then i perform in asia australia and europe not not yet america but hopefully um yeah i like this i like taking the the dance let's say i like taking the baladi and then romani dance and I put them into the story. Let's say in the story, the girls love the boys and boys love the girl. And the ballad is their sensuality and their, it's the dance of their uh, love, let's say. And the Romani can be a fight between two lovers or the two boys that they love in, in uh, they they have love uh, the girl. So I put them into the story so it's more fun. And then the audience observe the culture easily. Otherwise... If non-belly dancer, they wouldn't understand why the Romani dance is that. I mean, yeah. obviously the art doesn't have any boundaries. They still feel, but it will be easier if you put them into the story. It's more meaningful.
1: I see. And where do you find inspiration for the topics or the plot of each production? Is it something based on mythology or is it story? Or you come up with your own stories for each of them?
0: <laughs> I just create my own story. I... I... I have a very simple and complicated approach. Let's say, I the simplicity is the story. It has to be very simple, uh, because even if you look to um very famous musicals, the story is always simpler. And then the the how do you pr- how do you put on a stage and the feelings of them is difficult and the heart or uh, intricate. Let's say this is how I do as well. Normal, I focus on to do uh, Gypsy as well as the Ottoman Empire. For example, in mm-hmm. my latest, um, it's the most popular, the one that I toured for years, Ashk means love in Turkish, um, has two parts. The first part is gypsy, set in the gypsy camp and then the, the, the girls and boys flirt to each other and it's the story of a woman a gypsy girl who fall in actually who actually fall in love with herself and then two guys just kind of fighting over her so that's kind of a mm-hmm. tri- triple triangle story going on between them so the jealousy dark feeling dark, uh, and the lust you see kind of uh, not kind of not sexual but it's kind of you see the dark lust and uh, all this thing and then in the second half is Ottoman Empire. the 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 Sultan falls in love with a uh, courtesan or cariye, we call it in Turkish, and their set story. It's a secret secret love to start with, as well as then the courtesan dies at the end of the uh, story, and uh, and then it finishes like a spiritual. Um and then her soul comes, uh, to dance with the sultan and then hold the ceremony of of her uh, passing away from this world to to other world, and all these things. So I use so much uh, from the mythology as well as religion, uh, in the story. You will see them. You can see them. So I I like all these kind of mystic things like fortune telling. And then animal, womans or tribe or tribal styling. So you you see all this uh, legendary style, let's say, epical style in the in the story.
1: Mm. It's also interesting how you use the storytelling as sort of a bridge to make uh, ballads or dance in general more understandable and. and um, more closer to the general audience, uh, so they can perceive it easier and in more understanding way. it sort of reminded me what uh, uh, I think uh, Michael Foucaine did in early 20th century with uh, uh, ballet, a Russian ballet troupe uh, that they transformed yeah. ballet into literal sto- storytelling with uh, uh, Mimi cause gesturing instead of a set uh, uh, sequence of movements like it was ballet before that. Uh, that you need to know the code to understand. Yeah. So it's sort of like in ballet dance or you need to know yeah. uh, all the nuances to appreciate sometimes the dance, uh, dance performance. But in this case, then there is a sort of storytelling. It can capture the general audience uh, much easier. So do you find any difficulties actually with uh, promoting... A- your shows to general audience because it's still probably presented as a balladance show so people may be confused or maybe yeah. they intrigued opposite <laughs> if they hear something like that
0: yeah that's the challenge mainly because i mean when i travel uh the world and the organizers of course they need to advertise i say and obviously they need to sometimes they kind of uh connect with the turkish audience or turkish communities i said to them please don't say male belly dancer or belly dancer say Turkish, um, uh, let's say Turkish uh, story told by Turkish music and dance into a dance modern fusion say whatever, but don't say male baby dancers, especially <laughs> and baby dancers. That's the problem, mm. and that's the challenge. Let's say it's not the problem, actually, it's the situation. Um, uh, that's the challenge that we all face. That's the reason, deep inside, actually, naturally, I use drama so much dramatic story and fuse it with belly dancing because belly dance people think you just do it on the uh, in the in the restaurant shaking your uh, you doing shimming around and everything but i put a feeling in those moments and i it is quite dark i mean sometimes i look at the video and dvds of my show basically you see so much elements of belly dancing uh, let's say the figure of eights and curvy movement but actually overall maybe it's like 40% of it actually the rest of it is kind of modern approach
1: Mm, i see and you also take your productions uh, on a tour so you travel and perform uh, in different countries do you see any differences in uh, audiences reception in uh, let's say not maybe particular countries but like regions um how people react differently to such kind of uh, shows
0: actually yes and no i mean uh, basically as a choreographer and a director i travel to train the local dancers So. Let's say I would go to Tokyo to base there for three, two months to uh, train with the local dancers. And the audience perspective sometimes is different. But because I I tend to um, use universal feelings like death. Somebody dies, somebody is jealous. So this is unif- universal feelings. Only sometimes in Asia... Even though the death or jealousy is still there, uh, uh, the way they see the jealousy or the flirty, the, someone is flirtatious or the masculinity is totally different because they have different uh, culture, so different than ours. So sometimes there, I really don't do the stuff, let's say, that I will do in Europe, let's say. Last production I had is Tales of a Sleeping Man basically I'm the sleeping man so I go to different journeys it's kind of modern, it's like very mythologic too, Uh, for example there in Europe I would, not I would I did use uh, mermaids uh, simbats and all these things, but where in Asia they don't know what is mermaid Mm. so they wouldn't understand (laughs) it's so funny, I mean I would say the mermaid is kind of international story so they don't know mermaids or they don't know all these uh, popular things that is popular in the Western world sometimes. And then obviously I need to really cut them from the story because otherwise there's no way. Or I think in the show, I sing Sufi songs or whirling dervishes. In Europe, in Western world, people might have seen it because they travel uh-huh. to Turkey or they see it on YouTube, uh, the whirling dervishes or stuff like that. Uh, but in asia they don't know what is it so they wouldn't uh, I take see. it let's say uh,
1: so it uh, kind of uh, still refers to the uh, cultural background of a country where they presented yeah it's interesting and also as i understood you um, involved local dancers in your production is that correct
0: that's correct. Yeah. yeah well,
1: so how how does this process uh, uh, looks like? Because I'm sure at this point uh, many dancers now are like, oh, I want to participate. How can uh, I?
0: <laughs> so basically, um, I look for a, a troupe dancer, you know, the the uh, group dancers. So the organizers uh, kind of uh, gather them around before, and then I do kind of online audition first. In my first day arrival, I do auditions. Uh, It's a dance project, I advertise it in like a dance project, so they learn all the routine from me over two, three months, Uh, Mm -hmm. so this is like a learning process for them, and I have my solaris traveling with me, so it's almost like combining two, three different elements, almost like a puzzle, let's say.
1: So it's mostly like two, three months commitment for dancers if they want to participate in your production. Yeah. And uh, um, for them to know, like um, it's organizers who put out the call, but if uh, someone wants to sort of check, oh, which country you're planning to uh, go soon in the nearest future so they can maybe connect to an organizer is there any place is it just like you put on social media announcement to post or is it on your website or is it just the lack of dancer to find out by by chance organizer's announcement for this kind of things so how that works
0: <laughs> it's kind of both i mean they can look on my uh, instagram i kind of advertise it on instagram it's uh, under the name of mr Özgen. Uh, i promote it there and i promote on facebook too
1: and it's still very intense to put uh, the whole production in just two three months how so how does the work with dancers look like how much of it is uh, poor choreography and how much is sort of improvised given freedom to dancers uh, to express their uh, vision
0: it's it's most of, most mostly it's choreography, but they have some kind of uh, parts that they have to really improvise, like uh, acting parts. Let's say let's say they're gonna walk uh, point A to B. That is not choreographed, even though sometimes I tell them where they have to go. They need to kind of uh, uh, improvise that. But there are some. Uh, let's say ninety percent is really choreographed.
1: So before I ask you our final question of the podcast, can you tell please dancers where they can find you and where they can follow uh, your dance activities as well as what is your uh, upcoming trip in the nearest future? So dancers, at least in these countries, they can sort of stay tuned and uh, look for calls for auditions if they want.
0: Exactly. I mean, uh, I am more active on Facebook uh, and as well as on Instagram. On Instagram, they can find me as like uh, Mr. Özgen. And on YouTube as well, they can search uh, Özgen Dance to subscribe to the videos. And I advertise most of my events and future travels there. And then my... Actually, I'm going to US uh, on summer. So hopefully that's the first trip. Mm -hmm. uh, And then I'm in Europe till June.
1: Nice. Uh, I'll definitely include all uh, uh, links uh, in the show notes so that people can uh, easily find you on uh, Instagram and other social media. Thank you. And uh, uh, to finish our conversation, I always ask the same question to all of our guests. And uh, I love hearing all variety of different um, answers. You might have heard already this question from some other podcast, but Uh, I'm curious to see, uh, to hear uh, your take on it. So the question is, what makes you fall in love with uh, ballet dance again and again um, that you keep doing it for so many
0: years? it's it's interesting um i think i love this dance i was think i always was thinking that because it's my traditional dance i hear the music often uh, back in turkey but i realize that's um that's the closest uh, music and dance form to express myself through nature because the moment itself really is uh, comes from nature and related with the nature and the the music and then the instruments and i think has got this earthiness about it and very spiritual even though most people think belly dancing is more like a show i really think it is very spiritual and then self-development um i really really feel that
1: Mm, i see well, thanks for sharing and uh, thank you so much my for pleasure. being on the interview on the podcast today. I also need to mention here to all our listeners that we had quite a few of technical issues. So Oscar was absolutely awesome and so patient with no, everything. My pleasure. Uh, So thank you so much for your uh, time and for sharing your experience with uh, our listeners.
0: (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. And of course, uh, thanks for the people to listen. Hopefully, they'll enjoy. And I I can't wait to see you somewhere in the world.
1: I'm absolutely sure people will uh, love to hear uh, insights into Turkish ballet dance as well as perspective of a male ballet dancer because we don't have many of of you guys in the scene. So thank you for sharing your art and uh, your um, stories with us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank
0: you so much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much.
1: Guys. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcasts as well as past episodes at yanadance.com podcast as well as you can connect with me on social media by yanadance or yanakomarnicka i'm very active on instagram as well as facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life and by the way don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode and until next time keep shimming.